The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show weekdays from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM, Fight Nation, Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, WWE Hall of Famer Bully Ray and I tag team everything from this week's SmackDown Live. Kevin Owens turns on Kofi Kingston and things heat up in the women's division between dual champion Becky Lynch, Bayley, and Charlotte Flair. Plus, we speak to the villain, Marty Skrull, ahead of his NWA World's Heavyweight Championship match against his longtime friend, Nick Aldis. Kevin Owens is a low-down, dirty, rotten, disgusting, filthy, vile, son-of-a-bitch heel. And I love him. Mm. <laughs> if, I could, if I could put those heart emojis all over my Twitter machine and send it to KO, I would. I love that guy. Oh, my God. That's how you do it, kids. That's how you do it. Simple, effective, kick the guy in the mouth at the highest point of the match and have the entire arena turn on you. I told you Kevin Owens was a heel. You did do that, and it only works when you got the baby face like Kofi Kingston in the ring because everybody loves Kofi. And when you do a turn, it's got to be against somebody that everybody loves. And they were able to do that last night on SmackDown. Came off really well. Kofi was having a really great match. There was interference on the outside. Let's not even let's not even break down the physicality that we saw. The physicality doesn't even really matter. What matters is the emotion of the people. What they did brought the people up so high. They were so excited for Kofi to win. When he hit that Kofi kick on Nakamura, they were ready for that one, two, three, and then bam, super kick out of nowhere. When when heat spots or turns are done correctly, you want to bring the people up as high as you can and then rip the carpet out from underneath them. And that's exactly what KO did last night, and that's exactly why it worked. You know what? And it's a, it's a masterful job if you think about it, Bully, because Kevin Owens comes back after a long absence, and of course Kevin Owens is going to get cheered. The WWE Universe missed Kevin Owens, so they played that perfectly. They had Kevin Owens come out. Big E is out with an injury. So let's put Kevin Owens in. And the fans love him. And the fans love Kofi. And that's when you make the turn with Kevin Owens like they did last night. Perfectly planned by the WWE. And now Kevin Owens is the most hated man on SmackDown. So we got a couple of weeks of entertaining stuff from Kevin Owens just to get us to last night. Last night gave us a great Kevin Owens turn, and it doesn't matter if we saw it coming. Um, It was well executed, and now we hate Kevin Owens again, and he's back exactly where he belongs, being hated, 
And the best part of this, we're going to get a really good match out of these guys at Money in the Bank. A match where you're going to love the good guy and hate the bad guy. It's, it's working out pretty, pretty well. And you know what the great thing about it is, Dave? It's simple. It was a, it's a very simple storyline. And simple works in wrestling when you have the right characters involved. You know what? And it's so different than what we're seeing on the Raw side of things. Because when it comes to the Universal Championship at Money in the Bank, it's Seth Rollins versus AJ Styles. We talked about it yesterday where I don't know if I'm entirely comfortable with that matchup. Listen, it's going to be a great matchup. It's a fantasy matchup. There's no doubt about it. But for Seth Rollins, you would like him to step into the ring for his first Universal Championship defense on a pay-per-view to be up against somebody that's universally hated, maybe like a Baron Corbin. They decided not to go that way, but that's the exact way that Kofi Kingston and Kevin Owens are going to go at Money in the Bank, especially after last night. It made for great television on a Tuesday, and it's going to make for a great match at Money in the Bank. I like the fact that they're going with Seth and um, AJ. It's the exact opposite of what Kofi and... KO is going to be. With Kofi and KO, you're going to have definitive cheering and booing. With Seth and AJ, you're going to have people that are going to be emotionally invested in a good wrestling match with the credibility of the championship being on the line. You know half the place is going to be chanting, let's go Seth. The other half of the place is going to be chanting, let's go AJ. Everybody's going to be into that contest. That's why I like it. I'm getting the best of both worlds in both of my championship matches. And listen, it's not official yet, Kofi and Kevin Owens, but I'm sure by next Tuesday it will become official. And again, it's great storytelling and making for great TV. And like you said, Kevin Owens is meant to be a heel. I know that the WWE Universe, I know the Busted Open Nation love Kevin Owens, and they respect Kevin Owens. But I think everybody would agree he works perfect as a heel, and he did that perfectly last night. Uh, being a heel is in his wheelhouse. Yep. That's, that's what he is. I mean, it, it, even, even when he works as a baby face, you can just see the way he walks and his facials. He has heel tendencies written all over him. Now, as we've spoke about on the show many times, uh, Dave, how, what makes somebody a great heel? Well, there's a couple of things. First of all, who they're going up against, you know, has got to be somebody that's an uber babyface that the fans love. But let me re- maybe I should rephrase this. How does somebody like Kevin Owens become such a great heel? Uh, cheating? <laughs> no, because he was really good babyface. Oh, you know what you say? You know what, bully? You say that all the time, and it's true. It's playing with somebody's emotions, like Kevin Owens did last night, because at the start of that show. Everybody loved Kevin Owens. Man, they loved Kevin Owens dancing around wearing the New Day gear. And then after what he did, that's why everybody... You're absolutely right. It's simple. And sometimes I got to keep it simple and stop thinking about it too much. But you're right. It's it's a play of emotions. And that's what Kevin, Kevin Owens did last night. He played with the fans' emotions. Fans have a relationship with wrestlers. Just like a man and a woman have a relationship with emotions involved, fans have a relationship with wrestlers with emotions involved. And if fans love a wrestler, 
when a wrestler does something wrong and turns their back on a fellow wrestler and the fans, they're going to hate him. Why? Because they loved him so much. It's all about the emotion. Yeah, and and nobody does that better than pro wrestling. And when it's done right and when it's an art form, and I think we both agree that pro wrestling at its best is pure art. That's exactly the picture that's painted. And that's why I love what's going on right now with Kofi Kingston and Kevin Owens. I was a little surprised that it happened last night, Bully. I got to be honest with you, because I thought they would let that and they would stretch that out a little bit longer. But you know what? I cannot fault or criticize the execution of what took place last night. And the fact that I thought it should go a little longer, it's not what I was thinking as it was going down because I was caught up emotionally. And here's the thing. I don't know what they have uh, planned or or written or where they're going to go. I think we can uh, infer and draw a hypothesis that, yes, we'll probably get this match at Money in the Bank. But I had no problem with last night. And just like you said, I didn't have a problem with it because the execution was perfect. And you don't know what's going to happen. When this match becomes official and we're going to see it at Money in the Bank, there's a good possibility we're going to see a new WWE champion. That's how you get caught up emotionally, too, because Kevin Owens being the heel, he'll do whatever it takes to win that championship. So if it means a low blow, if it means doing something while the referee's back is turned, as a good heel should, he'll take every advantage to win that championship at Money in the Bank. You know, I heard Mark Henry say yesterday that he really enjoys Money in the Bank because uh, because of all the thrills. And I believe he said that he thought that there be, might be more than two ladder matches on the show. Now, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that because we have the men's money in the bank and the women's money in the bank, but do you think that they're going to have Kofi versus Kevin Owens in a ladder match? Like, I thought having a third ladder match on a money in the bank pay-per-view is overkill. What's your opinion? Yeah, I, I think I might agree with that. I think that if you're going to – it makes the two money in the bank ladder matches feel more special. Yeah. Um, but any, listen, anything could happen. I don't think a ladder match would necessarily fit when it comes to Kevin Owens and Kofi Kingston. Again, anything's possible, but I agree. You're probably only going to get the two ladder matches, one with the women and one with the men. Yep, agreed. Yeah, and, and again, like – and I hate to be critical of Monday's show because I actually thought Raw was a good show. And it's hard to have a good show from beginning to end when a show is that long, like we saw with Monday Night Raw. Three hours, there's a lot of content in a three-hour show. But it's always funny coming out of a SmackDown how I feel as opposed to a Monday Night Raw. We talked about it, Bully, when you and I were together on Monday. A lot of times in that third hour, you start to doze off. You know, it's like, when is this going to end? A lot of times, because it's so long, I kind of forget what happened in the first hour of the show. It's completely different on Tuesday nights. I always end with SmackDown on a high, and last night was no different. Yeah, I thought SmackDown was a good show last night. Um, I took a lot of notes on it. Mm -hmm. I I thought there was a lot of things that stood out to me that I really enjoyed, and I know that we're going to get to. I mean, there was stuff about Roman, Shane, and Elias that I liked. Uh, Obviously, we were just talking about the Kofi and KO thing. Um, 
Uh, I really enjoyed what went on with, with the women last night with Becky, Charlotte, and Bailey. Uh, so, like I said, lots of good stuff to get to today about SmackDown. Oh, yeah. We're going to get to a lot of it, what took place on SmackDown. It will also piggyback off of some things that happened on Monday Night Raw. But this is a big one. When you look at Kevin Owens and Kofi Kingston, this is Kofi's first title defense since winning that emotional match against Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania 35. And they're going in a different direction. It's not just another match with Daniel Bryan. Brian, a return matchup, or, or or the continuation of a feud between the two. They're going with another challenger. I think that's a great idea. And that first challenge is always a big one when you have a new champion. So I'm really, really interested in what direction they're going to now go with Kevin Owens over the next few weeks until we get to Money in the Bank. And I think Kevin Owens and Kofi Kingston could have another emotional match, kind of similar to what we saw at WrestleMania 35. The Busted Open Podcast. Courtesy of WWE.com. Let's listen in to what took place last night on SmackDown. So Becky Lynch pinned Ronda Rousey. I did not tap out. I did not get pinned. No, you see, you want to know what that means? Ronda Rousey lost my championship. You said it was a winner takes all match. Did you not understand what that meant? No, you're right, Charlotte. I didn't pin you at WrestleMania because I was too busy beating the baddest woman on the planet, the woman that nobody else could beat. More importantly, the woman that you couldn't beat, Ronda Rousey. And guess what? When it was all over, I walked out with both of your titles and there wasn't a damn thing either one of you could do about it. Lacey Evans at Money in the Bank. I'm next in line and I'm taking it back. How are you next in line, Charlotte? Because you know I what said I so. Want? You know what I want? Shut your face, you stupid dope. I'll tell you what I want. There what you go. There you go. What I want. What I want. What do you want? What I want is for you to clear the way for the likes of Bailey, for Mickey James, for Ember Moon, because I want you challenges. I want you opponents. But you. You are the web that management will not untangle me from. Becky, thanks for the shout out. And while you may have lost count how many times you've beat Charlotte, I can count how many times you've beaten me. Zero. How about you stop acting like you are owed every title opportunity and start earning one? You want a shot at Becky Lynch? Well, guess what? So do I. So how about we see who deserves one? Me or you right now. Deserves one? You're not even worth my time to face right now. Get in the back of... Oh, it's on like Donkey Kong. Becky, Charlotte, and then Bailey coming in, Bully. And you've always said it when it comes to Bailey. You've been saying it for months and months and months. She needs a little base. And you got a little base with Bailey last night. Man, Dave, I am so happy to hear you say that. Because that was going to be my first question to you. And that's exactly what we got. We finally got from Bailey what I have been speaking about from day one. We didn't get sugary sweet Bailey. We got some bass in her voice. And we got some thunder in her fists. She said what she had to say to Charlotte. She said what she had to say to Becky. And then she smacked that microphone right out of Charlotte's hands. And that's when it got real. 
That was good stuff from all three girls. There, there were so many things about the verbiage last night that I enjoyed. One of the things that stuck out to me was the inflection and the tone of each other, each of the ladies' voices. They were questioning each other in tones like people would do in real life. Last night didn't come across to me as, as scripted. I know it was scripted, but they did a great job with what was scripted. First, Charlotte comes out and she tells the truth. You never beat me. You never pinned me. You never made me tap. You never beat me. But then Becky comes back over the top and she goes, you're right. I never beat you because I already beat you in the past. I wanted to beat the girl that you couldn't beat anyway. Masterful stuff. Great stuff. Becky sounded confident. She didn't sound laid back like she does, like it, uh, you know, doesn't uh, every once in a while. What else I found interesting was... When Becky hit the zingers at Charlotte, did you hear the people? Yes. The people didn't cheer. They were like, whoa. You know what that tells me? It tells me that fans respect Charlotte. And even when Becky says something like that to Charlotte, it's a little edgy because they know how damn good Charlotte is. And also, too, the fans know... That not only is Becky telling the truth, but Charlotte's telling the truth. Because they're quite aware of what took place at WrestleMania 35 and that Charlotte never was pinned and never tapped out. So it also helps that they're speaking truth. And it's kind of hard to boo Bully when they're, ta- when they're telling the truth on the microphone. It's absolutely correct. Another thing that stuck out to me was Bailey talking about new opponents. And it kind of... Um, reminded me of some of the things that I saw on social media last night about fans saying, well, it's time for somebody new to get an opportunity. When are they going to give somebody else a shot and give somebody else uh, a chance to be champion? It's not about participation trophies, people. You don't just get a shot because it's your turn in line. Wrestlers don't just line up waiting for their next title push and their next title push. You earn your right to have that spot. If I'm the owner of the company, I'm not just handing out opportunities because, oh, you're next in line, and then, okay, you're next in line. I want the best people um, in that ring at any given moment. If you're a coach of a baseball team, a football team, a soccer team, a hockey team, what is a coach's number one responsibility, Dave? To co- is to manage is to is 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 to put the best players yes. on the field at any given moment and it's, and that's what you to to put position put players in positions to make plays exactly so it's like you know a a, a coach of a football team is not going to look down the line and go oh look there's uh, Joe Smith he's the third string running back he hasn't played in a while so let's give him some playing time uh uh-uh. uh Joe Smith only comes in when it's absolutely necessary when the you know when the number 1 running back isn't getting the job done or he's hurt so I would like to continue to see things go on with Charlotte and Becky but have those other girls start to come into the mix and say what they're saying because it worked so well last night. Bailey comes in, she talks smack to Charlotte, she has a smack with a uh, match with Charlotte, and but now we see what happened. Charlotte's just proven her dominance, right? Yes, which is what she is. 
She's the most dominant woman there, hands down. And and it didn't hurt Bailey either because you not got at a, all. You got a different type of Bailey, and then she took Charlotte to the limits. You know, to have that long of a match on TV, I thought that was a great showing by Bailey. And I don't think she lost. As a matter of fact, it did the complete opposite. I think that match and that loss to Charlotte last night elevated Bailey. So what? What you're trying to say is that Charlotte went over and Bailey got over? Yes. Okay. So now watch this. On a scale of 1 to 10, what would you give the sh- the Charlotte-Bailey match from last night? I would give it, a, you know, an 8.5, a, a 9. Oh, fair enough, because yes. it was a really good match, right? Yes. Let's go back to Monday for a second. Becky versus Alicia. Oofs. What would you give that match? A, uh, one star. A half a star. No stars. When you saw the Becky versus Alicia match and then the Charlotte versus Bailey match... Do you now realize with your own eyes why Charlotte was in that women's three-way at WrestleMania? Yes, but but explain to our listeners why. Because and, and, and let me ask you this first. First and foremost, would you put... I think we would both agree that the match between Alicia Fox and Becky was not a good match. And there was no continuity. There was no chemistry. It, it wasn't flat. It was just... God awful. Would we agree on that? I will use the word lackluster. Okay, lackluster. I'll, I, don't, I'll, I, don't, I don't ever want to be disrespectful yes. to talents who are trying their hardest and tell them they're oh, awful. All right, fine. I, but it was not good. Everybody on social media, everyone on social media, and every phone call that we took yesterday put the blame on Alicia Fox. Was that all? Like it takes two to tango, I would think, Bully. Yep. You can't put all the blame on Alicia Fox. The mark of a true great wrestler and worker is their ability to work with somebody who is not as good as them and make them look good. A la Ric Flair making everybody look good. A, a la Triple H. Shawn Michaels, the list goes Shawn on. Ma- yeah, there's so many guys that could take other athletes, wrestlers who are limited and make them look good. There were things in the Becky-Alicia match that just did not look good. I don't think it did anything for either one of them. And you just can't say that it's all Alicia's fault. Alicia's been there for a long, long time. Right? I know she hasn't had ring time in a while. She might have had a little bit of rust, and Lord knows <laughs> what's going through her head when she's making her entrance and coming to the ring. She's all over the place. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but there were things that were done in that match that just make me question, like, why was it necessarily to do that tilt-a-whirl head scissors? Becky is heavier than Alicia. Gravity is going to take over. That move is not going to go very well nine out of ten times. And that ma- that move went a little screwy, and that's when it started to hit the fan. It it wasn't that good. Conversely, Charlotte and Bailey was. Now Bailey is a better wrestler than Alicia, correct? Yes. But you saw the difference. You saw. Bailey work up to Charlotte's level, although Bailey is closer to Charlotte than anybody, you know, just about anybody on the roster. But Becky and Alicia didn't have any chemistry. And it's not just Alicia's fault. The the blame goes on everybody. And when I say blame, I don't be blame in like a really negative way. 
I'm just trying to show you both of these matches. And the on, my only point here is this. Becky and Alicia, Charlotte and Bailey. Now you understand why Charlotte was put in that women's main event. This might be something that fans don't want to hear. This might not be something that fans want to accept. The fans might be staring at their radio right now and giving me the middle finger. You know, but you know why it's hard to accept, Dave? Because it's the truth. No, I, 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 I agree with you. And I, and, and I think that, listen, I'm not going to put Alicia Fox on the list of the top five best wrestlers on the WWE roster, but she has been somebody that's been with the company for well over a decade. You mentioned about ring rust, and I'm sure there was some ring rust from Alicia Fox, but I just found it dumbfounding that I'm looking at social media on Monday night and everybody was blaming Alicia Fox to the point that people are saying that she should be fired and let go. And I was like, wait a second here. I agree. Alicia Fox did not look good in the ring on Monday night, but I find it hard to believe, and that's why I wanted to get your take, Bully. I find it hard to believe that you put all the blame on one person and not shoulder that blame on somebody else as well. Because like I said, there are two people in that ring, and when they talk about the greats of all time, and you're right, these are the greats of all time, the Triple H's, the Shawn Michaels, the Ric Flair's, they said, hey, they could have great matches with broomsticks. So it does take two to make a wrestling match. And for those people who say that, you know, Alicia Fox was, you know, not good that night, I would come back and say, well, what did Becky do to make sure she looked good? First of all, I would have never put that match in the ring. And here's the reason why. When was the last time we saw Alicia Fox? Uh, I couldn't tell you. It's, it's been, been a, a long while. time ago, right? Yeah. All of a sudden, Alicia Fox gets a, gets a match against Becky Lynch. Was it for the championship? I don't remember. No, I'm sure it was a non-title match. Okay, let's just say it's a non-title match, right? Where th- There's about a hundred other girls that can have a better match with Becky and feature Becky and themselves better than Alicia can, right? Yeah. We know that she's rusty. How did she get so much offense on Becky? She got uh, bully. The match was almost 10 minutes long. The match that we saw last night between Charlotte and Bailey. And then the match we saw Alicia Fox and Becky on Monday, the time differential wasn't that much off. I mean, one was a little over 10 minutes and one was almost nine minutes long. It's ridiculous that they had the match that long on Monday. Should have never been that long. I think it was the wrong opponent. I don't think we needed to feature Alicia. I think we needed to feature Becky. I think Becky needed a strong singles victory, and we didn't get that. Like what you're hearing? Catch Busted Open live weekdays from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156 or on demand with the Sirius XM app. The NWA World Heavyweight Champion Nick Aldis is going up against our guest right now, Marty Scurll. And Marty, how are you today? Hello, Dave. Hello, Billy. Yes, I'm all right. Thank you. How are you guys? Hello, mate. How are you, Marty? Hello, Governor. <laughs> <laughs> Marty, I, I want to ask you a question right off the bat. Um, is this match against Nick for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship a bigger match for you than the latter match in Madison Square Garden? Wow, big question. Um, a lot of people have asked me that. Obviously, we go up and down the country, we do these shows, we meet a lot of fans, and everyone says to you, which one is more important? And I think it's... Uh, 
it's an unfair question to ask in the sense that everyone's asking, you know, what does the end of Bray mean to you? Of course, I don't need to explain to anyone what the end of Bray means. Everyone knows the tradition and the respect that the end of Bray has. There's no point in me sitting here and listing off all the great end of Bray world champions. Uh, but I will say this, um, coming to Ring of Honor, I always envisioned myself fighting for the world championship and becoming Ring of Honor world champion. That was never a question. This, though, the NWA world championship, this is a predicament that I wasn't too sure if I would ever see myself in, and especially in these circumstances with uh, you know, one of my best friends, if not my best friend in the whole entire world, the NWA world champion, Nick Aldis. It's uh, 15 years in the making, and uh, yeah, I never thought that... Uh, from where we grew up from in sort of rural England in a little village, uh, 15 years later, we'd be headlining uh, a pay-per-view fighting each other for the NWA World Championship. So it's um, it, it's certainly unexpected, and uh, I, I can't really put into words or fathom sort of how big a deal this is, especially for, uh, for, for, you know, for myself. So, yeah, I can't really say which one's more important, but this one... Uh, it, it's got a lot riding on it, that's for sure. Well, well, Marty, you mentioned Nick Aldis, and we're all looking forward to this matchup that's taking place on Saturday. Nick Aldis was a guest at our 10-year anniversary celebration, and if you didn't hear the show, it was also featured on 10 Pounds of Gold, but this is what Nick Aldis had to say about the matchup and facing you on Saturday. In Pumping Iron, Arnold has posed the question about what happens if what about Franco? You know, you couldn't pull this stuff on Franco. Franco Colombo is best, one of his great friends. And they posed the, the hypothetical of what if they're competing head-to-head. And he said, on the day of the contest, I'm his father. He comes to me for advice. And that's how I feel about my relationship with Mai. Wow. When the time comes, that's heavy. I'm the senior, and he knows his place. So when you hear that from your good friend Nick Aldis, what, what, is, what are the thoughts that come to mind? I mean, you know, that's, of course, that's, you know, that's the sort of talk that uh, the world champion has to put out there. He loves the idea of portraying this story of uh, he's the big brother, I'm the little brother. And to be fair to him, that has been the case uh, for a very long time. But uh, let me ask you this. Nick, he loves to put these comments out there. He loves to say things like, oh, you know, you're the villain. You don't need to be world champion. You're you're an attraction. You're like a... Uh, he says, you're like a Roddy Piper. You don't need the, need the championship. Let me ask you this. What happens if you put gasoline on a fire? Burns. It gets bigger, right? Yep. <laughs> right, it gets bigger. So uh, Nick, it's his role. He loves to make out that I'm, I wouldn't necessarily say below him, but he loves to put himself ahead because, you know, he has been this big brother figure to me or a father-like figure. But I think the truth is, I said this before as well, I said this at Ring of Honor, I think... The truth is, Nick's actually got an insecurity because he knows that how big of a star and attraction I am. And if I do take that belt from him, which I plan on doing, where I can take the end of it from there, I can take it to places that it's never been before, places that Nick can't do. And I think there's a part of him that hates the idea. As good of friends as we are, I think there's a big part of Nick that hates the idea that I could take the NWA world title from him, which I think really defies Nick as not only a wrestler, but a person. 
but I could take that belt away from him and I can make it bigger and better than it's ever been before. And I think that deep down really frustrates Nick. So he's calling you an attraction. It kind of sounds like he's pigeonholing you and kind of putting you on the back burner. Do you believe that you are a bigger attraction in Ring of Honor than he is a world champion in the NWA? I will say this. Um, this going into the show, I'm not going to put it all on myself because I'm, you know, I'm not like that. It's a collaboration. Um, this show coming up in Concord, the Crockett Cup, it sold a lot more tickets than the last show in Concord for Ring of Honor. It sold more tickets than the NWA 70th anniversary show. An anniversary show. This is already, by the way, the show hasn't even happened yet. So, obviously, to me, it suggests that people are invested and excited to see me fight for the World Championship and fight for the World Championship in a one-on-one match, you know, not a freeway or not sharing my title opportunity with someone else. They want to see the villain get his rightful shot at a championship. So, uh, and I think it, it, I mean, obviously it speaks volumes. People are intrigued by this matchup. Um, it's, it's an organic build. It's not a typical pro wrestling build. Like, to set the match, I didn't push Nick's wife in front of a train. Now he wants to get his revenge. It's like, no, no, you were friends for 15 years. <laughs> There's an NWA World Championship on the line. Both men want to be a champion. What more, you know, what more needs to be said? There doesn't need to be any gimmicks. There doesn't need to be any hoo-ha. There doesn't need to be any smoke and mirrors. It's a match that people generally want to see. Now, I'm not saying that there's not any real tension between myself and Nick because obviously that has happened due to the circumstances that we're in. Uh, but I will say this. This is going to be one of the biggest shows of the year. And I like to think that I'm a huge part of it, and I think the proof is in the pudding. I always say to people, I'm a numbers man, I'm a numbers man. Give me the opportunity to uh, provide results, and I'll, and I'll do them. So, uh, yeah, I think, um, you know, Nick can say, oh, you're just an attraction, just an attraction. Well, you know what? I am an attraction, and guess what? It's going to be big business for everyone, so. You, you know, Marty, Bull, Bully mentioned you being a star, and, and I kind of want to follow up on that because, and I've said this on the show with Bully many times, and, and I've mentioned it to Mark Henry as well. You're kind of the cool guy right now. Think about it. Like, you know, what you've been able to do. My, my daughter, who's 15, her ringtone is your entrance theme. And her friends at, at high school in the cafeteria at lunch do the whoop, whoop, like... You know, you're bringing an element to pro wrestling that's kind of been missing for the last decade. Has that been lost on you? Do you understand, like, you know, kind of the movement you've been able to progress in pro wrestling? Yeah, I mean, kind of kind of what I was going to before, it's never my aim to, to try and be cool or anything else. I think uh, I, I just try to be the wrestler that, I know I would enjoy watching. And I, when I watch wrestling, I want to see organic wrestlers. I want to see people that um, can be authentic and be real. So I'm not going to come out there and, uh, <laughs> you know, try and be a clown or a pirate or anything else. I'm just going to go out there and I'm going to be me. And obviously it's wrapped up in this, this presentation that I come up with called The Villain. Um, and I think people dig it because no one told me to do this. It wasn't that I got handed a script and someone said, oh, say this, say that. It was a concept that I, I came up with, I presented, I developed, 
and people they get it and they've seen my story they've seen the fact that i created this uh, almost uh, i don't want to say character but let's say this concept i build it out of frustration i build it out of you know elements of depression and everything else and i've come out with, you know at the end with this this villain character and i think to be honest with you a lot of people can relate to it because they go you know what you know actually uh I, I feel like i'm a villain as well i feel like i'm a bad guy <laughs> you know I, I that's cool like this guy he's not He's not trying to BS. He's just coming out and saying it. He's like, yeah, I'm the villain. What you see is what you get. So I think people appreciate the honesty. Uh, they love the fact that it's it's authentic and it's the real me. So, uh, no, I appreciate it. They think it's cool. Then, uh, yeah, I guess I'm, you know, I'm doing a good job. So I appreciate it. Marty, you're a, you're a part of a, a huge faction, the Bullet Club, with, with uh, the guys with Cody, the Bucks, with Paige. Um, and I've told you to your face, I thought you were the biggest breakout star, if not the biggest star in that group. And I could back that up with, you know, fact. Look at your merchandising. Those guys split, you stayed, and now you've created Villain Enterprises. And basically overnight, Villain Enterprises has become the biggest babyface faction in Ring of Honor. And it's getting over to the moon. I think PCO's doing a great job. I think Brody's doing a great job. But you are the foundation of Villain Enterprises. Which faction are you... Did you enjoy more? Are you enjoying more? And what's different between the Bullet Club and Villain Enterprises? Um, I mean, <laughs> there's, a, there's a big difference between the two groups. Uh, being in the Bullet Club... Um, was a great part of my life, just in the sense of the friendships I made with uh, the guys you just mentioned. Uh, you know, we had a great ride. We had a really good run on top. And, uh, you know, I'm forever thankful uh, for those friendships and the times that we had together. Uh, that being said, Bullet Club wasn't necessarily, you know, it wasn't my invention. It wasn't my creation. And... You know, you know as yourself, Baba, or, sorry, Billy, a big, big part of pro wrestling is, is getting that creative satisfaction. And I think that's where I'm able to stand out the most when I can be creative and I can express my sort of artistic values in wrestling. Because you put me in the ring there, you know, I'm not giving you a Will Ospreay and Ricochet match. You know, that's not my, that's not my forte. But what I do have is I like to think I've got a creative mind and... I think that's where I excel at. That's where I come up with these things, which, like Dave said, people think are cool. So the Villain Enterprises, uh, it was my creation, and it was something that was in the back of my mind when I knew the Bullet Club was coming to the end. I thought, okay, what's next? What's next? Like, I never want to just rest on my morals. I really want to sort of sort of push the boat every single time and come up with, with something new and so the fans have something to get their teeth into. I don't want to be the guy just kind of like, you know, okay, cool, I do the whoop whoop and I break the fingers, I hold the umbrella. It's like, no, what can I do next? And uh, I've met PCO uh, many years ago, um, wrestling in England, maybe 12 years ago. Ironically, actually, myself and Nick um, used to work with uh, PCO a lot back in the day. Um, and obviously, I'd heard about his story and his, uh, you know, his comeback in professional wrestling. I, I just thought it was super cool. And then, same with Brody, I'd actually... Um, He's only been wrestling maybe, I don't know, three three years, four years tops. But uh, I remember maybe three years ago, uh, three or four years ago, uh, I would um, pop into a training school in Los Angeles and uh, because Rocky Romero was running at the time and uh, Brody would always be there. 
And I was like, who's this big tattooed guy? And he always come up to me and uh, sort of be trying to, you know, chew my ear off and asking me, uh, you know, for advice and everything else. But I didn't really think anything of it. And then, you know, years later, I keep seeing, like, I didn't even see him on shows because I've been working for Ring of Honor, but I keep seeing on the internet, on Twitter, oh, Brody King this, Brody King that. And I'll be honest with you, I, I hadn't even really watched much of, uh, of Brody King's matches. I just keep hearing his name and knew that he, you know, was a good guy with a good attitude. And I thought, okay, we're making a new concept. Let's, let's come up with a new group. Let's completely, um, you know, re- let's redo everything here. And I thought, We'll have my own group, and maybe we'll have an underworld of villains, so a group of villains. Because we had the villain club before. I said, let's move on from villain club. We'll have an enterprise, and I can hire my own villain. And uh, the first two guys I thought of were PCO and Brody King. So we've got the ultimate veteran, PCO, who's been wrestling for, you know, as long as I've lived. And then uh, you've got, a, you know, a new guy, a rookie in, in Brody King. So I thought, what a great combination. And I had to push it to Ring of Honor for a long time. I don't think they wanted to go that route and I was like no I'm like I promise you this will work because I I I just know it like it's gonna work just give me the chance to do this uh and in the end I think they were just like okay stop going on we're doing it okay fine perfect so uh you know I had a great time with the bullet club um but this you know those guys are you know sort of some of my best friends for life but this is more personal to me in the sense that it's my own creation. It's from. It's it's always cool to see something that you come up with in your mind, uh, some crazy idea, and then you put it out there, and then it you know becomes a thing, and it, it becomes something that the fans can enjoy, and you forge friendships and everything else. So, uh, no, I'm uh, I'm super excited for the sort of future of an enterprise. Obviously, this weekend as well, they're in the Crockett Cup and they're wrestling Nagata and uh, Kojima. So that you know that's so awesome for me to see. So uh, yeah, it's. Um, yeah, Villain Enterprises, it's, uh, it, it's for sure going to be a, a big part of Ring of Honor's future. You know, Marty, and I'm excited hearing you because I was on the Jericho cruise six months ago when the Bullet Club, you know, ended, you know, and, and, the, and the announcement was made. And here we are six months later. And would you say this April, with you going after the NWA championship, you wrestling at a sold out Madison Square Garden, would you say that this month of April is the biggest month of your career? It certainly seems like it, doesn't it? <laughs> I mean, let's see if I can produce the results first. You know what I mean? <laughs> let's see. Uh, you know, if I don't win this match in the Crockett Cup this Saturday, uh, I don't really know where I go from there. But at the same time, if uh, if I do win that belt on Saturday, I really am going to be the uh, the prettiest girl at the dance. I'm going to have that hot ticket, and I think everyone's going to want me. So it's going to be uh, a real exciting time for me, for sure, if I can become world champion on Saturday, which I fully intend on doing. Marty, two-part question here. What was it like for you to wrestle in Madison Square Garden? And I heard you had a little bit of a fear of heights. So how was <laughs> it to be in a ladder match? Um, so... Two questions. Uh, first answer, uh, Madison Square Garden. It, what was really cool is I uh, I got to invite my little brother from England to come watch the show uh, and my friends from England as well. Um, so they all came. And my friends, I, I think they realized uh, sort of the caliber of what I do, but my little brother I don't think has much of an idea. I think the last time he saw me wrestle was probably in England somewhere in front of a couple of hundred people. So then when he came to New York and he's an MSG, 
and uh, you know there's 18,000 people going whoop whoop and you know there's half the crowds wearing villain shirts I think he was like what the hell is <laughs> my god I didn't realize my brother was such a big deal here so uh, that was probably the coolest thing for me if I'm honest with you was just uh, having him there and you know letting him take it all in uh, getting to do that entrance as well and, you know such a big famous building headlining the show or co-headlining the show um, it, it, yeah I mean you don't you can't really get much bigger than that, and uh, you know it was uh, obviously a memory that I'll 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 I'll, I'll have for uh, forever. Um, in terms of ladder match, yeah, I didn't want to do a ladder match in the first place. I told him that. <laughs> I'm uh, I I have a real freak. Is like I basically when I climbed the ladder before the show, I found the ladder backstage and I put it up and I climbed up it, and then I really started to freak out. Uh, not good for heights, you know. I think anyone that's seen me wrestle before realizes I don't take a lot of high-flying risks. I, the background I have, I came from a, a shoot and amateur wrestling background, and the, you know, I trained in a very old-school wrestling gym. And they didn't teach me how to climb ladders in a wrestling school. They didn't teach me how to fall off them either. So uh, it's certainly <laughs> not, uh, you know. I like. Yeah, I honestly, after doing that ladder match. Billy, I have a newfound respect for what you did all those years ago with those TLC matches because you're you're a braver man than I am because that is <laughs> no, I could <laughs> not, I honestly. So um, no, I mean it was a bit of sweet because I got to uh, fight for the, for the world championship, ring of honor world championship. Um, to me, it seemed like an unfair advantage that I had to do it in uh, you know this ladder match environment. So just give me a one-on-one normal match. That's what I do. I'm a my. My, my, my finishing move is a submission. I can't do that in a ladder match. Come on, I did actually. I did on top of the ladder. But you can't win that way. Um, so, uh, yeah. it's And also, what I didn't realize is how much that the ladders hurt either. Like, I knew, I knew they wouldn't be nice. But the first part of the match, I think I picked up a ladder. Jay Lethal drop kicked me as I held the ladder. It just cranked on my arm. It's uh, like wow. this instant just bumps all over my arm. I was like, damn, this sucks. And then the next thing, I got back dropped into ladder. Boom, 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 boom. And like, I was like, oh my God, I don't think I'm going to be able to finish this match. This is the worst feeling ever. So, uh, yeah, I won't be in a hurry to do any more ladder matches. Should I win the NWA <laughs> World title, I'm not putting it up in ladder matches because, uh, no, it's, it's not my specialty, that's for sure. <laughs> You know, Marty, you're, you're, you're sharing with us a scary moment for you. I, I'm going to share a scary moment for me. And it was at our 10-year anniversary celebration. And we're, we're celebrating 10 years of Busted Open in front of 700 fans. And my wife is right near the stage. We, yeah. interview, we interview Nick Aldis. Aldis comes up with Camille. And I mean, humana, humana. Um, I mean, could Camille be a distraction to you on Saturday? Um. I mean, it's very possible, yes, but I'm hoping no, in the sense that I don't think <laughs> I don't think Camille has a lot of place in this match, in the sense that you know she's not been a part of our story. It's 15 years in the making, okay? Um, it's our friendship. It's coming to a head. We're finally fighting for the NWA World Championship. We don't need. She's not a part of the story. We don't need her there. We don't need any distractions. Like I said before, we don't need any gimmicks. We don't need any of it. Um, and I, I'd like to think, as much as Nick wants to keep that belt, I'd like to think he has enough respect for me as mm. his friend for these years to give me, uh, a, you know, a title shot that is a fair title shot. 
like I said, I didn't think my Ring of Honor World Title shot was fair. I should think if, if she should, you know, get involved whatsoever, uh, that would make this title shot unfair. Uh, I don't want to seem like the guy who's complaining and moaning. I can't get my shot. I can't get my chance. But, you know, come on. We're grown-ups. Uh, you know, let's leave it between myself and Nick. I think that's what the people are paid to see. Me versus Nick. They don't want to see any of uh, They just want to see two wrestlers fight it out and, uh, you know, for the NWA World Championship. Marty, are you happy for your friend Nick that he's the NWA champion? Oh, absolutely. I'm, I'm over the moon for him. But honestly, you asked me two or three years ago, Nick, see, this is why it's funny where Nick makes out that he's this big brother figure and everything else. To me, two or three years ago, different story. You know, I was rocking and rolling, going to Japan, becoming the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion, coming to Ring of Honor, becoming the TV champion, joining the Bullet Club, you know, on top of the wrestling world. Nick was down in the dumps. Nick, you know, he, he finished the TNA. He didn't really know his position in, in pro wrestling. And, you know, he's down in the dumps. Who does he come to? Me. I was the guy who was being the big brother. I was the guy pointing him in the right direction. Um, I was the guy giving advice. And then I'm guessing it worked because out of nowhere, Nick becomes the NWA world champion. And all of a sudden, he's back on fire again. You know, he's, he's, on, top of the, he's on top of the world. Um, so, of course, I'm happy for him to be NWA champion. I think it's great. And I think it really defies him as a, as a pro wrestler. And I'm not going to lie, he's, he's, he's doing a great job as the NWA world champion. I'm sure the NWA loves him being uh, the NWA world champion. So, of course, I'm happy for him. Thanks for listening. Catch us weekdays on Busted Open from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM, Fight Nation, Channel 156. The Busted Open Podcast. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.